So today we're going to talk about Sovev Ko'almin, which Kabbalah calls Makif. Makif means peripheral, meaning that it's expressed in what we call Or Haganuz, the infinite concealed light of God. That this particular light remains infinite without contracting its essence. You see, if we're going to say that the, the origins of this universe is a contracted light of God, we're using light as a metaphor, obviously, then we have to first start off by saying that there is an infinite light. We're using infinite light as an a metamor, uh, as a metaphor, both infinite and light are metaphors. Which means, a lot of people get stuck in the rationalization of various elements of this world. For example, the process of carbon dating has become the way that we know the age of the universe. Now, it's a scientific process. It could be good and it could be bad, but for now, this is the process that science is using to give us the age of the universe. Is it correct? Are there flaws in it? It doesn't matter because it we believe matter. it. It doesn't matter, exactly. But we, we believe people, it. So People think that today in the scientific world that we don't have the power of belief. It's absolutely wrong. People will believe what the high priests of science I don't know if the world is round. That, no, no idea. I just believe it is because I've been no. told to believe it is. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the pictures, so for me it's kind of hard. That well, like, even, not, even, but in general, like, I, even I, the I pictures, follow, though, I have yeah, to believe that those pictures were yeah. doctors. Yeah, but then if, if, if you don't believe that, then you believe there's a grand conspiracy. And I don't think there's, there's, human beings are capable of coordinating their actions enough to have those types of conspiracies, but takes things that, that we don't know for sure, that we can't even know for sure, like the age of the universe. It's something we can't know. We can only know it through a scientific process, calculations, exactly. certain measurements, so forth. So it's a belief, but people believe it firm. They believe it firmly. Firm, firm exactly. How can you believe How can the you world believe is not firmly? millions and millions of years old? Another one is evolution. 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 There's no, there's no fossilized proof. There's no proof. There's no proof whatsoever. Well, there is evolution. A baby there's evolves into proof. an adult. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's an evolutionary process. A, a tadpole evolves into a frog. I mean, we know there's an evolutionary process. Yeah. True. Yeah. But the argument of evolution is that this evolutionary force is the only way that we got here. It's it's a very it's a very very extreme argument. Right. right? That there's no design in the universe. There's no consciousness in the universe. It's all just a process of natural selection. It's, a, it, 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 it's an argument that it's not just saying that that exists. It's saying that nothing else exists. Hmm. It is the only one that exists. And people believe that. They they believe believe firmly. Natural selection. I don't understand how they can believe that firmly. I don't, just like, I don't understand how anybody, any rational, scientific, card-carrying member of the materialist scientific worldview, I don't understand how anybody can be convinced of atheism. It just makes no sense. Like, and when I talk, I have a lot of friends who are very scientific. And when I, I, I reason with them through, they always say in the end, it's like, oh, you're right. In the end, I'm more agnostic than atheist. I'm like, that's right. You're not atheist. So stop, stop behaving as though your negation of anything, any form of consciousness you don't understand is for sure not real. Like, you cannot, it's untenable, rationally, that proposition. 
It's just untenable. Exactly. But, but people are strong. They're atheists still. So they're believers. In our in our Kabbalistic process, we made our first leap of faith last week in this class, and that is that there needs to be an infinite creator. Infinite creator is very important because again. The only way we can truly understand elements that are beyond this universe is by using this universe as an example. For example, we use the word infinite. What does infinite mean? It just means that we don't have the ability to truly understand it. It means everything in our world is connected to time and space. We don't know what is beyond time and space. We can imagine, we can speculate, but... There's no way for us. Every time is going to cons- cons- uh, exist as a continuum. Space is going to exist in our lives always while we're in this world. But if we want to start talking about something beyond this world, then we have to say it's beyond this world. Beyond this world, you can use anything. And I had this great debate back to the conversation before. I had a great debate with a number of students last week. And I was saying, how old are you? 20, 20, 20 years old. So if I said... What happens? What do you know about the world 50 years ago? What do you know about the world 100 years ago? 300, 5,000, 5,000 years ago. What do you know about the world 5,000 years ago? So what do I say about millions or thousands? It doesn't matter. It's all, it's all relative in, in the time-space continuum because everything you know has to do with time and space. So we're making a, I'm not going to call it a huge leap of faith, a, a, a small, minute leap of faith. Can we say something as simple as because the universe seems to be a creation itself, there must be something beyond it. Right? Because the universe seems to be a creation by itself, there has to be something beyond it. Right? I, I, I would hope that we would say, that, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a far-fetched to say that the, the universe was created. The universe was created. I mean, as soon as you accept, and, and for the longest time, science opposed that with fury. You know how long it took from the time the evidence came out, this is in one of the books you gave me. It's in the uh, oh, four yes. approaches, four yeah. rational approaches to God. Yeah. In one of them, they talk, and it's funny because I, I, I've read the scientific accounts of this, and they never talk about that history. From the moment that the first uh, uh, mathematical evidence that there was a Big Bang came out, to the moment that the scientific community officially accepted the Big Bang as the theory of creation, how long do you think there was? 50 years probably. It was something like, it was like decades. Yeah. Are you serious? Decades. Why? Because, and during these decades, what was happening? There was more and more and more and more solid evidence of the Big Bang. And at the same time, you get pushback by the scientific community saying, there, and by the way, Einstein opposed the idea of the Big Bang tremendously. He opposed it. He's like, it can't be. It can't be. The universe is eternal. It can't possibly have a beginning. And the reason they all opposed it is because if they were to accept that there was a Big Bang, then it's, the universe was created. And then it gives a lot more credibility to the religious argument for the universe. Heaven right? forbid. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. And that, that, was, that was an article of faith. It took 40 years, something of around 40 years, for them to accept the story of the Big Bang. And, but the, so the story of the Big Bang really tells us the universe was created. Those four words. The second that you take act of that, the universe was created. There must be a creator. I mean, immediately, it's not such a leap to say that there's something outside the universe that created it. it, it it's not a huge leap of faith. No, of course not. It's a very, very small leap. One might even call that leap rational. Well, but let's could, not. 
created, <laughs> created must have a creator. Right, it can't create itself. Can't create itself. Can't create, create itself. If you believe what, that... What creates itself? Anything. There's anything itself created. Nothing creates itself. So, we're taking the small leap of faith, that there's a creator, which means that there is the source, which is an infinite light. So this is the analogy we'd say. It's like the master saying, I want it to be this way. Want. Overpowering and overwhelming the individual, let's say the servant. Kabbalah says that there's one drawback of this idea of sovev ko'amin to mamale ko'amin. And that is that it's comparable to a certain aspect of what is the servant-master relationship. The servant, from his perspective, doesn't really have anything tangible to walk away with because nothing was generated from within his psyche. Rather, it came from the outside, from his master. So as far as he's concerned, nothing has changed. He still possesses the feeling that being free from responsibilities is the essence and the foundation of a good lifestyle. That's what the servant wants. That's his great desire. <clears throat> the Talmud calls this Avda Behefkira Nichale. Avda Behefkira Nichale, which means a servant likes to be free. The greatest thing that you can do to a servant is to free him. Yet, what does the servant do? The servant follows the master's orders. Why? Why would the servant follow the master's orders? Or take, let's say, another example. You can go to a lecture where, let's say, a genius is speaking and not know what he really said. But nevertheless, recognize that there's something unusual there and walk away inspired. You can hear, understand absolutely nothing that the brilliant mind spoke and walk away inspired. If someone approached the listener after the lecture and asks, so, what did the great rabbi say? What did the great scientist say? What does he say? I don't know, but it was unbelievable. But it was <laughs> wow, I can't remember a thing. I don't think I understood a single thing, but wow, that guy was brilliant. So how is it that the listener can respond with such confidence when he can't repeat a word that the great rabbi said or the great scientist said? So this is the analogy that Kabbalah gives to Sovev Ko'alman's impact on the world. That is exactly how Sovev Ko'alman impacts the world. It's amazing, it's brilliant, but we don't understand it. Just as the servant is moved to do what his master wants, even though from the servant's perspective, he may resent working, the same idea goes with the infinite expression 
of God's energy. The cause of all creation to be moved in recognizing that there exists a God. Now, we have to go a little step further. Let's go into science a bit. Can it be explained? Can it be proven? The difference with the analogy, this is where an analogy is always just an analogy, is that the great scientist, presumably, the person is reacting to them as, as a great scientist because of the reputation. Because there are other people who know and who See? have said that... So it became a sociological norm yes. to accept this That's person right. based on someone else's, yes. perhaps. Absolutely. Maybe I'm believing that but that person is smarter wrong. than me. Maybe, maybe everyone maybe is everyone is wrong. But right? like the safe. Like the lady who calls her husband in the car and says, I saw in the news the car going the wrong way on the highway. And she's, he says, what are you talking about? Everyone's going the wrong way. <laughs> you know how long it took doctors to start washing their hands before surgery? Hundreds of years. And their patients were dying of, you know, like... They just, they, just refused, they just refused to believe it. Yeah. It was only like in, in maybe like the 1930s or 40s, the doctors were actually washing their hands before cutting somebody open. Mm-hmm. Forget about gloves. Yeah, and at the time, if you take the best doctor at the time, and you see the way he's doing it, and he's known as the best doctor, and he's not washing his hands, then definitely like washing your hands seems yeah. like a random thing. Why would you mess with it? He's the best. He's not doing it. So I do it. Conformity is at the heart. What do you mean? He has like a 50% rate of mortality. It's amazing. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's right. So, can it be explained? Can it be proven? Obviously not. There's no way. But it doesn't stop a person from doing whatever he wants. The person simply follows. So the very same overwhelming, forceful approach taken by the master is the impetus for the servant's obedience. That's the same with regards to the one drawback that Sovev has in comparison to Mamali. That drawback itself impacts the world. In other words, Sovev is the infinite energy of God impacting the world in a peripheral manner. And that is one of its strengths. On the other hand, the advantage of Mimale is that God's infinite energy contracts itself in such a way that what we feel and receive is based on our ability to handle and absorb it. Which means we have within us an infinite potential. We just have nowhere to put the infinite. So automatically, it's not that the potential is not infinite. It's that we don't have the kalim, we don't have the vessel in order to be able to hold the infinite. So we automatically only can hold the finite. The infinite still exists. The infinite is not not infinite because we can't handle it. So that's why we can contest the existence of God. Exactly. How amazing is that? We'll be back after a quick break.
Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. We have, we have the ability to deny it because we don't have the full ability to receive it. That's right. And the bigger our kalim, the bigger our vessel, the less we have to deny it. So, from our perspective, as human beings, we are the cause of God's revelation. This world could be, let's say, analogous to a person being able to communicate precisely what the great rabbi or the great scientist had said. Not just a feeling of fascination, not just, wow, I have no idea what he said, but that was amazing. No, the ability to actually communicate. What did they say? What was the amazing thing that was said? I can tell you, I understood it completely. So because of that, the manifestation of Mamale is called Giloi Or. Giloi Or means the revelation of the light. Because it is revealed to us in a manner that we can appreciate. Even though it's infinitely beyond us. And its infinity has been disguised to the point that humans only feel it in its finitude, right? There's no way that we can feel the infinite. I mean, we can possibly feel the awe of the infinite. Maybe in a, a moment in time, I don't know, on a Yom Kippur Ni'ila or something, we're like, wow, that was amazing. But it's only, wow, that was amazing. We can't even describe it. We, we've had, or maybe an out-of-body experience. or it's, a, not, it's not a reliable experience for us. It's not, it's not something you, we can count. Tomorrow, I'm going to connect to the infinite. Like, no, I'm saying that power. maybe somebody who took some kind of drug or something. I mean, you'd right. have to maybe you'd have to take some kind of substance or have some kind of existential experience of which the result of it would be, wow, that lecture was amazing, so to speak. That 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 experience was amazing. It wouldn't be where you can actually qualify or quantify what actually happened there. What about the Kabbalists that go like into like every world and they're like, at this gate there's this angel, at this gate there's that angel. Like, well, how does that? Fit in like this we're it's a great question because what you're, what you're saying is that they're actually able to qualify and quantify. Why? Because they have the kalim for it. Right. They have the vessel for it. But did they reach the the sovev or yeah, probably. The sovev? I don't know if they reached the sovev. I don't know if necessarily they have to reach the sovev. Mm. No, but I'm just wondering, like, what is that still infinite, finite? Yes, it has to be. Mm. It has to be. Okay. Because the memale is a, a, a it's huge. Godly. It's huge. It's, it's huge. huge. It's huge. Like, so let's not discount it. Yeah. 
Let, let's not discount it. No, and even, even if they did reach the Sovet, even if they reached beyond this world, it's because they had the Kalim to reach it. I know. But they had I'm the just, vessel to reach it. In theory, it's possible, is what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never experienced it. <laughs> theory, I can, I can talk about theory from today till tomorrow. Practical, I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's like, even if you reach, let's, let's call it this, this pure Sovet reality. Let's say, let's say, even if you do, just in order to relate to it in some way, Afterwards, you're gonna need to break it down into an analogy, into uh, into words, into something. You're gonna, you're gonna need to bring it back down to Nanale in order to have any kind of relationship with it. Absolutely, that's essentially the process of understanding it. The process of the qualifying and the quantifying is the analogy. You're not gonna be able to stay connected to Sovev like in, like like in a prolonged way. Right. It's not. It's not. I, I don't know. To my, maybe it's possible for some people, but. Uh, it's, it's theoretical to me if, if we say that, you know, it sounds very theoretical to me that somebody can stay connected to the purely infinite in, in a prolonged manner. I don't even know what that means, but maybe, Look, maybe. There, there are people who have these kinds of sensations. They're not to be rabbis or, or great scholars. I'll give you an example. There's a lot of people who met the Rebbe who say they had some kind of revelation. They had some kind of moment of, 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 it's beyond understanding. It's not mimale. It's a sort of moment. I mean, it's an unbelievable moment. When you, I mean, if you meet someone great and you have that existential. Now, is the existential experience because of the what, how you went into it and how you were like, wow, I'm having a 30-second yeah. moment with something amazing? I don't know. But there are people who didn't go into it, didn't who were complete skeptics who went there and had, a, had incredible experiences. There are people who today will go, let's say, to the Ohel and have an existential experience there. I had that. I mean, that, mm. So you, can you explain it? No, but again, the, that experience is the, wow, that was amazing, but I can't explain it. But how did you, how did you like when you had that experience, like, how, how did you feel at the time and, and what were its impacts after? Well. There's a video of me walking away from the wall. And even when you look at it today, I seem to be glowing with light. It was like a radiating experience. And again, it lasted for like eight seconds. Hmm. So maybe you would call that intuition or you would call it um, a special energy that emanated. You can also say that it's Hasovev. It's an expression of the Sovev. It's possible. For that eight seconds that Andrew had at the wall, there was an expression of Sovev there. And I think that we have all had, I don't know everyone, but anyone who is spiritually inclined, who is someone who is interested in exploring and also has spiritual experiences, will say they've had moments of those Sovev and experiences and it's important that we have that because it also helps us have less of a leap of faith when it comes to having that leap of faith you know we know there's something greater we know there's something out there i mean it's it just becomes so more apparent to us i mean if if you don't ever explore that or really try to have an experience like that then you never know but people who have for example, the people in this room, I'm, I'm assuming being that you're here right now, then... I don't know. You don't know, you're not sure. I'm not sure. So 
Let's let me let me break it down for you. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. I, I think maybe maybe. Maybe so, by virtue that you can't articulate it, you have one. Maybe I, I think maybe maybe because the way you describe it, it's like maybe there have been some mini solev moments interspersed throughout the time. That's so, the best I can do. So let me. <laughs> I don't know. There's been one rapturous solev moment. I don't know. So this, rationalize what's happening. What's happening? Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Isn't the fact that we are all sitting here, sentient beings, just a miracle? Intellectually? Mm. Mm. Totally. Just consciousness itself, you mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the rest of the story. (laughs) So... Let's try to subdivide this for the Freds of the world. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Every person has a conscious and a subconscious. So far accepted? Okay. Most people function based on the conscious self, which is limited. It's within very well-defined boundaries. The conscious has somewhat of a beginning and an end. It knows, for the most part, the limitations of its surroundings. However, there are some people, and Kabbalah calls them tzaddikim, very righteous people, who have refined themselves to the point that every fiber in their body is permeated with God's will. It is these people who emanate an aura of the subconscious in a revealed form. Simply put, anyone who meets them perceives some magnetic force of Torah, true spirituality, that draws others towards them. This is the infinite light of the tzaddik. And that infinite light, according to Kabbalah, has a tremendous impact on others and has an impact on this world. Which means an impact, as Kabbalah defines it, is something that comes from outside. We can't internalize it because we don't have the ability to internalize it. It's experienced as a fascination, a sense of wow, a sense of the infinite. You can't internalize a wow. You can't internalize that incredible moment of of inspiration. You can only dwell on it, you can think back to it, you can get excited from it, You can get inspired from it. You can get motivated from it, but you can't really truly qualify and quantify it. That experience we call makif. It's peripheral, but its impact is immediate and undeniable. And so 
the idea of a tzaddik and why we put so much emphasis on the tzaddik is because us sinful people who don't even have the kalim, we don't even have the vessels to be experiencing this great light, we can experience it for eight seconds by going to the wall or going to a great master or however else we do it. And that's why we need these kinds of places and people in the world to be able to kind of have this sense of awe, reverence, and understanding that there's more than us. Bittel. More than bittel. It's just like, yeah, bittel to the sense of, wow, I am just a dim puff. I'm not self-created. I'm a dim puff, which a blaze in the Milky Way. I mean, people believe, people believe that, right? It's yeah. like the old theory of individualism. Yeah, it's like myself. I make myself. Yeah. Like, I create myself. It's all like theory of individualism gone, gone, gone crazy, right? It's like, I'm, I create myself. I don't rely on anyone outside of myself. Yeah, well, and Descartes, right? It's like, it's like, I think, therefore I am. It's like, I think, therefore I am. It's like, no. Two other people had a relationship <laughs> and had, and they come from her. And, and you were born, and one of the things that you can do as a sentient being at a certain age is think. And so at that point, that's why you think. No, no, you, also have to be a, you also have to be aware that you're thinking before you know that you're thinking. Right. right. Because you're thinking even before you're aware that you're thinking and you have no idea what you're doing. That's right. Exactly. Or maybe sometimes you so, stop to think and begin to start. And start you, you stop to think and you forget to start again. So, so in other words, you are way before you ever start thinking. And one of the things you can do by virtue of being is thinking. That's just one of the things that you can do. That's the answer that they got. <laughs> it is. It's, I am, therefore I think. Yeah. Not, I, th- I think, therefore I am. Absolutely. I think it's undeniable. So, I think we're getting a better idea of women, Mala and Sovivar. Now let's go to the next level. We're good? Mm-hmm. These two words... Mimale and Sovev are actually analogous to two other words. Two other words that are, I would say, much more important for us to truly qualify and quantify in our lives. And that is or, again another analogy, light and keli, the vessel. The idea, the Kabbalistic concept of orot and kelim, of light and vessels. Kabbalah spends a tremendous amount of time elucidating on the relationship between a light and a vessel. So the first thing it says is that the lights of Hashem, the lights of God, gave energy to the world, otherwise known as the vessels. The world becomes the the analogy, the analogy of vessels is reference to the world. So, in general, there are two ways in which the light and the vessel can relate to one another. One is that the vessel, the keli, absorbs the ur. It absorbs the light. Now, in order for the keli to absorb the ur, in order for the vessel to absorb the light, the light cannot be overwhelming. Because if it becomes overwhelming, the vessel will shatter. Remember, I think last week, maybe two weeks ago, we spoke about that example of a teacher and the student. If the teacher 
who is definitely more knowledgeable than the students, gives all of their information, everything they know to the student, the student won't be able to understand a thing and will be confused. So what the teacher has to do is contract his light in order for the student to understand and slowly add a little more light. And after a while, the goal would be for the student to be possibly as knowledgeable as the teacher or even surpass the teacher. But you can't take a tiny little vessel and expect that it's going to be filled with a lot of water. It's going to overflow, but with regards to the light, it's going to shatter the vessel. So, when the teacher contracts the light, in what way is his R, is his light received by the student? What way? Which means that the teacher has, let's say, a lot more light than the student because the teacher, let's say, has a bigger vessel than the student. Now the teacher with the bigger vessel and the more light now has to contract the R, has to contract the light so the student can understand. How is that light received by the student? Kabbalah says that light is received in a pnimiut way. What does it mean? The student internalizes it. The goal of the teacher is to teach the student so the student internalizes the understanding of teaching. What does internalize mean? Makes it so much part of themselves that they may repeat it to someone else and forget where they heard it. That's what internalizing means. I'm sure you've had those experiences. My favorite experiences is where you'll have someone Maybe sitting at my table where I'll be talking to someone and they'll tell me, oh, I have to tell you this and that. Tell me something they forgot that I was the one who told them. Mm-hmm. So if the vessel can internalize the light, making the light part of itself. That's to right. The point that it can recreate it almost. That's right. Not necessarily we recreate it, but it even forgets where the source of the light is. Because it's so much part of itself. And this is why people uh, don't give credit Exactly. And that's why... This is, the, this is the, the source of like plagiarism and not giving credit. And, 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 and that's why copying. Kabbalah and the Talmud especially is so focused on making sure not only the credit is given to the author, but the author of the author and the author of the author well, and the author. Well, You'll you know, see in the name of this and the name of this and the name of this. Did, why? Did you know that in copyright, in copyright it's been proven and it's, ha- it, it, it's a very... Um, it's a very, very um, controversial thing in the legal system in copyright because because it kind of like goes against like all the other assumptions. But there's the idea of unconscious copying. Okay, so when when you copy something, it's it's implied that you copied it on purpose, right? But it's been proven apparently scientifically in cases, and so the doctrine came up like no, no, like if it's unconscious copying, then it's it's not a violation. Okay, they've had to accept it, even though it's kind of inconvenient. But there are sometimes like you'll you'll invent a song, like to you subjectively you're inventing it, but you were absolutely copied. You were exposed to it. Your unconscious mind seized it and then revealed it to you as a conscious creation of yourself. But it wasn't a, a creation of yourself. So, how do you deal with that? Well, it's the person is not liable. Well, there, there's there's psychological tests and so forth. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Take and we we'll get into it. Yeah, you take a polygraph. It's amazing that in law, the person isn't liable. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's only recent though, right? Because it's 
pretty recent, yeah. Well, well, when I say recent, it's like last 20 years. Like, yeah, because before that, new. Like Chuck Berry sued the Beach Boys and won. Yeah. And like some doo-wop artists sued George Harrison and won. Yeah. So. But I mean, obviously, every single person who's ever copying somebody on purpose is going to say it was unconscious copying. So yeah. people like judges aren't stupid, you know. It's like they're going to look at the context of how the song was, was created, how it was. But, but there is that doctrine. It, it's hard to pull it off. I mean, if you're going to say, hey, well, I wrote the same book as you, but I mean, to me, it was just an un- unconscious copy. It's like, good luck, right? It's like, and there's criteria. It's like, how sophisticated is the work of art? The more sophisticated it is, the less likely it is that you, you'll have done unconscious copying and so forth. But I'm going to look into it. But it, it's like, it's the thing, right? It's like, it does exist. It does exist for sure that you were exposed to something and then another moment, you just express that thing, and to you, you just expressed it. Like you're the source of life, but it's like you were really exposed to it before. You know, it, it, it's it's Look, it's a known thing. King King Solomon begins his great book with the words "Ein Chadash Tachat Hashemesh." There's nothing new under the sun. Mm. That's the way he starts off his own book. Bob Marley said something very similar. <laughs> He said, he said, whatever is there, was there before, man. <laughs> so let's go Just back. Again, again, to what we think today, we think that everything is new. Like everything that we're doing is like so new. It's so new. Like AI, it's so new. It's like, wow. We've been dealing with that, that issue for, for sure. hundreds of years, at, at the very least. The, the, there's a story about the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, he had an older brother. His name was the Raza. And they were sitting to eat breakfast. And the Raza was reading the newspaper. And the Rebbe Rashab is washing his hands for the bread in the morning. So he's washing his hands. And the Raza says, wow, it's amazing. There's a new discovery. They discovered that the reason why when you want to remember something, you push your head back. And when you want to concentrate and focus, you push your head down. It's because a little flap in the back of the, below the brain stem, the back of the neck that goes up. When it goes up and releases the, the, the air, then it's for focusing. And when it goes, and when it's closed and it contracts, it's for, it's for remembering something. So the Rebbe Rashab finishes, uh, he, you know, washing, he makes, the blessing on the washing and he makes the blessing on the bread. He eats a piece of bread and then he goes over to the shelf and he pulls off on the shelf a Kabbalistic book and he opens the book and the Kabbalistic book is about 250 years old and he says, look, it's right here. They think it's brand new. It's a new discovery. It's no new discovery. We have it in our book for 200 years already. (laughs) Or, Or when you have Maimonides talking about science and religion in a way that is at least four or five steps ahead of the way that we talk about it today. For sure. At least five steps ahead. And this is in what year? Maimonides, eleven hundred. And my favorite is when all these nutritionists when all these nutritionists come out with all these new ideas and it's all based on Maimonides. <laughs> Brand new idea, new diet. <laughs> eat, eat, eat vegetables, drink water, exercise. Save your money. Brilliant. <laughs> Sleep eight hours a night. Yes, <laughs> sure. I mean yeah. Before midnight. <laughs> so let's go back to the Malikalman. I think now we can get a deeper understanding of Mimale and Sofif. Mimale Ka'alman now 
is the energy of God that is internalized by the world, by the creatures, and all the recipients. In order for this world to internalize it, it has to be limited. It's not that in essence, it's not, it's not limited in its essence. It's unlimited in its essence. But if we're going to truly understand it, which means if we're not going to constantly look at this world as wow, 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 we can't do that all day. We can't have only sovev. <laughs> I mean, some people want to go into those experiences and they use certain drugs to be able to do that. But you can't live a functional life and go wow, 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 wow the whole day. <laughs> But in order to internalize this world, there has to be limited because our vessels are limited. So, Hashem takes His infinite light and this expression of His infinite light vis-a-vis mimali ko'amid is a limited light. So that the keli, the keli here is the recipient, the vessel is the recipient, will be able to handle it. It's not because Mimali Ko'almin is really Mimali Ko'almin. It's not because it's really a limited light. It's really an infinite light. So it's just, and Tavar are actually different things. Of course, the same, the same thing. God. The same thing. Because the problem is you can come into... Uh, a certain understanding and say, oh, well, it's two different gods. There's the Mamale God and the Soviet God. But it's one God. The Mamale, in essence, is unlimited. It only has to limit itself because if it didn't limit itself, we wouldn't be able to understand it. The virtue of this style of manifestation is that the recipient can walk away with something because it's put into the realm of the recipient. That is the purpose of Mimali. Now, the second possible relationship between the R, between the light and the Kali and the recipient or the vessel, is that the Kali, the vessel, experienced a change merely by being in the environment created by the light. So, the light is so much stronger than the vessel that it's in another realm of being. So it doesn't destroy the vessel. Yet, its impact is felt like we just said. So the second relationship is that the vessel experienced a change by being exposed to the light? That's right. So it doesn't absorb the light? That's right. Okay, so absorb the light is memare. That's right. And Sovev is going to be the second one. That's right. Uh, but there's still a duality between the vessel and the light. Mm-hmm. Like, and and with, with regards to the finite. It can't be in essence. With, with regards to the finite, not with regards to the essence. Right. In the finite, there has to be duality. There's a lot of dualities in the finite. There's opposites in the finite. There has to be. You know why? Mm. Because that is the essence of free choice. Mm. If there was no duality in the finite, there would be no free choice. So the absorption, okay, I understand. Hmm. Interesting. Now, so so there's th- those two relationships between the light and the vessel are the analogies that we're going to use to understand the two 
different expressions of the divine light, which is Sodev and Memare, right? So the first one is going to be when the vessel absorbs the light and forgets even the distinction between like the source of the light and the light. It's like it's all just the light, right? That's going to be the Memare because it's contained in the world. That's right. And then the other one is the vessel just experiences a change just by being exposed to the light. It doesn't absorb it. It's just, it's in its presence and it undergoes some kind of transformation. That's right. That's going to be the Soviet. Yes. So I'm thinking about like a projector and a screen. If you didn't have the screen there and you only had the projector, then you wouldn't be able to see the projection. But if you have the screen there, you'd be able to see the projection. But, but the projection isn't making an impact on the screen. Right, if you took a projector right? and That's you put right. it into an open field, it would still be projecting. <laughs> so you wouldn't be able to see anything. That's right. Actually, we're projecting everywhere. When you put a screen, you're right. stopping. The, you're you're the, limiting the it. You're right? limiting it. But it's not, making, it's not making it any impact on the screen. It's, it's, it's a, a great good, analogy. It's a good analogy, the projector analogy. Yeah. Great analogy. But if there is a duality between the light and, and the plea, and you, that creates free choice, but it doesn't really create free choice. It's just the illusion of free choice. Because in, in its essence, there is no free choice. It's just allowing activity to happen. It has to allow free choice to happen in the finite. It's in the finite, but it's not really free choice. Well, it is free choice to the finite. It's just, a, it's just like a, a, a perception of free choice. No, no, in but... In reality, it's not How free. are we on free choice now? No, 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 because, because we were using free choice as an example, where the free choice... It does have to, because he was saying about duality. So I was saying duality has to exist, because if duality didn't exist, there wouldn't be free choice in our world. Mm. So is there a difference between Sova and Mimala? It's just us that are level... No, it's our perception okay, that so makes the difference. Okay. Our Kaylee is not big enough to understand. If we had a Kaylee that could, that, that could be uh, a Sovev, then we would, we would not have to... Not that we wouldn't need Mimala, that we would be able to really, truly maximize both Mimala and Sovev. So something that maybe for you is like Mimala for me would be Sovev. Possibly, because... Yes. It depends on your level, like, yeah. right. Yes, because how big your vessel is. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Does it explain how those tzaddiks do it? They break the vessel and then they build a new one, bigger one. Right. That's part one of the ways. Wow. Is that true? Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> it's one one of the ways. Some 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 things are is that their vessel they're born with a much bigger vessel as it is. And and that you cannot actually to a vessel that's the size of a tzaddik, you can't actually become, or, or you have to actually be born with it. Some say that. Some say that the, the idea of the bainani, the bautruva, you know, is that you're constantly breaking the vessel and creating new ones, and over time your vessel becomes but bigger. Why would it be controversial to say that you have to be born with it? It's not, not controversial. It's not controversial. It's just meaning that... But what, it is. Well, what we're saying is that yeah, we can never reach that level. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, right. It's unfair. I thought we were like, yeah, you know what? You weren't born like LeBron James either. <laughs> it's like, it's only controversial ways in which because we're all narcissistic and we all want to have the biggest vessel exactly, possible. Exactly, exactly. Without, without doing anything for it. That's right. Why, part, why LeBron do... James, I can trace back to genetics. I want to know why my vessel wasn't as big as its size. Maybe that's genetic too? Or is it... But we call maybe genetic, you don't but... have tzaddik genetics. Yeah. I don't have tzaddik genetics. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's much easier. It's, it's much better for your nice little fragile ego to blame your parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the inner child. Yeah, the inner child. Oh, and it's everybody's oh, favorite game. In the 
is to blame their limitations on their parents. Of course. Right? Or it's their easy. society or their whatever. Or it's whatever. Anything that's not me. Anything that's not me. Anything but me. Please. Relieve me of this burden. But then even when I start blaming me, then it goes back to the whole self-created thing also. Like, even, like, blaming myself is just as problematic as blaming anything outside can, of myself. It can actually be even worse. It can actually be even worse. For sure. Because then it's like, it's, it's, like, it's like a little device that you've created that, that just sort of prevents you from ever exiting your own right. brain. And then it can be even worse. It can sink you into a deeper hole even. It's like you just did, right? For sure. Yeah. Self-loathing. Self-loathing. It's the For worst. Sure. For sure. Because <laughs> it's also narcissistic. It's also it's like the, it's, the only thing that's really real and tangible to me is me. It's 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 extru- it's even more narcissistic. It's the dark mirror of Gaiba. It's yeah. just like the uh, like, just as Gaiba is like, oh, I'm the best. Gaiba is also, oh, I'm the worst. Right? They just right. Uh, mirror each other. It's just as narcissistic. It's like fear and anxiety and insecurity is even more an expression of ego than greed. It's not more or less. It's just it's just as just much. as much. Just as much, and I would say even more. And the reason I say even more is this is I think our fear is more powerful than our greed. And this, you can show, for example, like in, the, in behavioral psychology, they can show people's uh, loss aversion is always statistically stronger than their, 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 their pleasure that you get by winning. Your, your, the, the, the pain that you get by losing is greater than the joy that you get by winning. Statistically, they take the same thing rationally, it hurts you more to lose it than it, than it pleases you to gain it. And it's now like, I understand why you won't play any board games. <laughs> I'm the worst loser. If you look at, I'm the worst. If you look at the it's, it's a disease. Market, it's a disease. Those two, those two forces are at play too: greed and fear. Greed and fear. Greed and fear. But I think fear is even more strong. Of course. Yes, people are. When people are afraid, mm. that's why you see like massive crashes, mm. like the Panic of '29, mm. versus like. Yeah, people, you know, the tulip bubble where, where like people were selling like their houses mm-hmm. to, buy, and, and, like, to buy tulip bulbs because mm-hmm. they thought it was like, you know, yeah, but, the dot com yeah. but you see during the dot com, it, that, that's fed by a lot of greed at sure. the time. It's like people want to get rich, right? So they, we all know that expression of ego. It's easier. It's, it's, it's because you see it in other people and it's, it, it sort of marries with your, with your sort of, we're all naturally a little bit like selfish. jealous and selfish and you see other people succeeding. So it's kind of easy to notice greed, but it's a little bit tougher to notice fear because it's even more all pervasive. And because, because, because we give ourselves a pass also. We tell ourselves like, oh, well, if, I, if I'm, if I'm afraid, if I'm doing something because I'm afraid, then it's clearly justified. If I'm doing something out of greed, it may or may not be justified in my own eyes. If I do something by fear of I'm going to lose something or I'm going to die, it's related to the fear of death, really. Absolutely. The fear of disappearance. It's all related to that, that sort of macro fear. And anything that I'm doing in order to deal with that macro fear is going to be immediately justified, no matter how selfish, self-centered, narcissistic it is. It doesn't matter. If it speaks to that fear, it's, 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 you know. We're also much more unwilling to demonstrate our fear than we are to demonstrate our greed, though. Mm-hmm. Say that again? Like, we're much less inclined to demonstrate fear to others than we are to demonstrate our greed to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Like, greed much, signifies we're, power. Right. Yeah. Whereas fear signifies weakness. Right. Like, you'll walk around and, like, everyone might be more afraid than they are greedy, but you'll never know it. You'll never know it. You'll never know it. No. No, because we're so, we're so keen to hide it. Well, it's can. Of course, and, and I would even say the thing of the greed is even more true. It's, it's even it's even even more true in the sense that 
people will display a level of greed and ego that they do not actually even have in order to signify that strength of power. I take the example of like, uh, like, like pop singers, okay? You see the, the, the display of cockiness and arrogance. and it's an, it's an exact, there's no way they're like that in real life. There is no way. But they've got to display it. That's part of what makes it attractive. How much money they spend to create that yeah, image? Of course. of course, it's an illusion. It's a, it's a, it's a fantasy of themselves. They're projecting. It's, it's, but, yes. it's, it's funny. I was in uh, Washington Heights, and I was speaking. I was waiting for my friend to open up his to get back to his apartment. And I was talking to um, a Dominican man outside in the hallway. He was telling me how he was looking at all these Hasidic Jews and how they wear like twenty dollars shoes, but they have a lot of money in the bank. And he was talking about the Dominicans, like they'll spend five hundred dollars on a pair of shoes, but they have nothing in the bank. You could change Dominican for Moroccan. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. So let's yeah, go back. That's right, right? Yeah, exactly. So now I think we can truly understand what is Soviv. What is Soviv Kalman? Its advantages is that it provides a revelation of something higher than what a person can comprehend and take into himself. But guess what? You thought Mimale and Soviv was it. Sovev is the highest level. There's a higher level than Sovev. What do we call that level? Atzmut. Atzmut. Atzmut is higher than Sovev. And we're going to start understanding what is Atzmut. It's more truly. infinite than the infinite? It's more infinite than our version of the infinite. Oh, so, it's only, so there's only Misavev from the perspective of Mimal, from Mimalit. That's right. That, that's what that's right. what you're saying. That's right. From the world of carbon dating... Which means from below to above. If you want to go from above it's to below. Below, and above. Exactly. But we have to go from below to above. So in the world of below to above, there's Mimale, Soviv, and we're going to actually enter another level, the level of Atzmut. Soviv is not the infinite. Soviv is just surrounding. So to us, it's the infinite. Right. Right. So everything that's outside of ourselves. Everything that's outside is the infinite. But it's, it's, it's just surrounding. Right. But maybe there's another infinite. Atzmut is higher than the wow. <laughs> so how, how do you define Atzmut? So we're gonna, I'm not gonna go into Atzmut today because we're gonna spend a whole entire, probably two, three weeks just on Atzmut. But for now, we're gonna say it's higher than the wow. There's not even a wow factor in the Atzmut. Wow. Just silence. It's more than that. It's more it's, than, it's, it's the essence. It's mic drop. No, it's, the mic drop. it's not even yeah. the mic drop. It's the <laughs> essence of the mic drop. <laughs> it's where, it's what, it's what created the, the essence of what created so that the mic drop happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually writing that. So the mic drop. It's like the ultimate. So, at this point in our understanding, and and this is me being the teacher, making sure that the vessels don't get shattered. <laughs> I have to also be careful. We can't well, go too far. Well, I'm, we're here because the vessels have already shattered. It's true. <laughs> I'm trying to put them back together. Like, what so, happens if the vessel shatters? Like, what happens? You go crazy. You've had, you, you, you I'm sure crazy. you've had moments of vessel shattering in your life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but is it, Everything goes like uh, you, garbage. I'm sure you know. But isn't it like a little bit like a, like a muscle? It's like you need to shatter it in order to sort of keep building a bigger and better version of it. Of course. Yeah. So it's, it's like muscles. You need of course. To you can also go to the gym and just destroy, but then, destroy yourself too. But then. Yeah, you, by the, you need to destroy your muscles in order to, to create muscle. It's like that destruction and creation is like sort of. By the way, interconnected. The beauty is not shattering the vessel; it's rebuilding it. That's right, of course. 
The destruction it's is just realizing the that the va- the vessel is shattered, and now I have to rebuild it, and then actually doing the work to rebuild it. Yeah. Because when you rebuild it, it's going to be much better than the one before. But, so, by the way, this is true. Like even in like creative endeavors, it's like when you create something. By the way, there, there, there's a there's a, a methodology of, of creation of you know, products, whatever that's called the engineering approach. The engineering approach is typically the approach is you create something and try to prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. At some point, you just give up. Like what? This is it. And here you go. The engineering approach is you build something. All the way to eighty percent. Sell it. You destroy it completely. You rip it apart. Okay. Okay. And then, with all the lessons that you've learned by building the eighty percent, you restart from scratch. And then, apparently, it takes you twenty percent of the time to do something way better. Oh, that's huh? interesting. I thought you were going to say like build, like create eighty percent, and then sell it at eighty percent, and then create no. the next model at one hundred percent. No, you create something at eighty percent. You destroy it. Mm-hmm. You rip it down, and then you start over. And apparently, it takes way less time to do something way better. Amazing. All the lessons that you get to eighty percent, you know, it's like, oh my god, if I only knew this, like I would have put this piece somewhere else, or right. if I only knew, I wouldn't spend as much time on this thing that I thought was central, but really not that important. So when you restart it, you're liberated from all those mistakes, all that, and you can you, cool. can you can just sort of redo it. Yeah, it's the engineering so, method. Yeah, Hashem method, I guess. So now, who knows? There's a story that God destroyed the world before. He left one side open, right? Yeah. There you go. You can close the box, so you have to complete the box, complete the square. So now, we want to understand the relationship between Atzmut and Memale. If Atzmut is the essence. And Sovev is Sovev. And Mimale is Mimale. Then how could Atzmut and Mimale have a connection? Do you know what the connection is? A mitzvah. That is the connection between Atzmut and Mimale. So, why, why is it so important when you're on a street in downtown Montreal for some Chabadnik to run over to you and say that you put on phone today? Why? why? Why are they so serious about making sure that every woman lit Shabbat candles? I mean, at first glance, if you look at it, it seems that the performance of a mitzvah it seems so fake. only relates to Hashem. Hashem is the master. Hashem is giving orders to the servants. So on the level of Soviv, the godly energy is infinite. So what Hashem has to do is Hashem has to command his people to do a mitzvah. Because without Hashem tzavta, like you said, without the commandments, no one would do them. So... Does this mean that the Jew who does a mitzvah is only relating to something that Hashem has created? Which means to this particular tzavta, to this particular commandment, and not to Hashem's essence? Absolutely not. The fascinating point of the mitzvah is to say, Baruch atah Hashem. What is Baruch atah Hashem? Blessed are you, God is to connect to the very core 
to the very essence, to Atzmut itself. And to understand this central point, the only way we can truly understand this is by discussing the very highest powers of the soul. And that's what we're going to get to next. The Nisav is the Mamale. It becomes Atzmut when I connect the two. That's correct. So is Kuchabrichu Misavim and Shechina Memaleh? Is Kuchabrichu Misavim and Shechina Memaleh? Yes. Yes. So that, would, would that be the case? From the point of the vessel to the light, yes. What about, what do you think it is from the light to the vessel? From the light to the vessel. From the art to the keli? Shemayim Ba'aretz? No, it's just Atmos itself. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have doesn't have to be qualified or quantified. That's what's beautiful about it. See? The so light in the thinking, vessel? That, like, you don't understand a word we said. The problem is, like, my thinking gets in the way all the time. Of course your thinking's right? going like, to get they, in the way. Descartes really ruined everything for us. Right. <laughs> like, so, so, I'm like, I'm blaming others. <laughs> <laughs> Blame yourself. <laughs> It's really your mother's fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It all started. It all started with Descartes. That's it. It's like you're, you're sitting, like the Chabad guy stops you in the middle of downtown, you're putting on the phone, like, what could this possibly mean? Like, this is just, I'm putting on, like, I'm, I'm going through hoops. Right. Doing, like, and a, and, and a, you know, trip, there were people like, who didn't understand this, and when the Rebbe started talking about putting on his phone in the street, the people were saying, you're crazy, the people didn't wash Negovasar in the morning, they didn't wash their hands, they're impure, and what do you think, this one mitzvah is going to make a change? Maybe that's the whole point. But if you understand it from the, from the perspective of that the mitzvah comes from the atzmos, and that what you're doing by, the servant does by doing the will of the master, is that your servant is connecting to atzmos, which is infinite, and that maybe you're having a subconscious wow moment, or maybe you're even having a higher than subconscious wow moment. You're having a moment that's not even subconscious. It's truly connecting to the infinite, whether you understand it or not. And that is the very purpose for which this world was created, to make a dwelling place for God, to actually experience the infinite in the finite world. Then you understand why the power of one little mitzvah is valuable. This person needs to uh, read the Talmud on the story of Moses with the angels. That's right. Because the Torah this person. is uh, for the criticism. Yeah. Because the Torah is a guide for fallible, weak creatures. That's right. That's what it's for. That's clearly that's for. that's the need, right? That's the need clearly for. That's the need clearly that it filled. Right. That, that it, it was defined around the contours of that need. So that's what it's for. That's the purpose of it. Want to hear a joke I read over at Ashabuis? You ever heard of Rabbi Menachem Broman? No. Okay. So he wrote this book called Hasidim Tzolchakim. He was talking about Rabbi Nachman and free will, but he told a joke in the middle of saying these two women are sitting in the synagogue and they're talking about their husbands. One woman says, my husband is an angel. And the other woman says, my husband is also not a man. <laughs> That's funny. Little bit Yeah. Right? It was in Hebrew. That's cute. But it's also, I'm going to go back to something else you said about conscious and unconscious. And you related consciousness to limitation. In other words, when we act in accordance with uh, just our conscious minds, that we're, we're, we're acting in a way that's limited, things that we understand. Obviously, by definition, if I'm acting in a conscious way, 
I'm, I'm limiting it to what I understand, right? And today the dilemma is that we're, we're sort of, we have an opportunity to expand our consciousness, right? right. And, and actually one of the spiritual ideals that we have is expanding your consciousness, right? And, and we have that here as well in terms of like allowing your consciousness to touch on things that are beyond it, right? Um, but at the same time, let us also recognize something that we don't recognize is that a lot of money, we, we touched upon in another lesson as well, we talked about knowledge and the different forms of knowledge. And as our consciousness expands, the opportunities for us to think and act in limited ways also expand. That's right. And this is, it's, it's controversial because more knowledge is supposed to be just good for you. Again, according to the Cartesian Western civilization today, more knowledge is supposed to be immediately good for you. But really, it really depends what you do with that knowledge. And it depends your beliefs and values underneath all of that knowledge. Because if you just have more knowledge, and but you're still sort of fear, greed-driven, ego-driven, whatever you want to call it, your opportunities, your ability to lock yourself into a grander castle of your own castle. egomania is even greater than if you're a more simple, less sophisticated, less knowledgeable person, in which exactly. case that castle is a very small thing and pretty easy to get rid of. I mean, that's what communities essentially are, just expanding consciousness, right? Like I can be smarter than everyone else in my community, right? And, but if I wasn't gonna to relate to other people, the amount I can accomplish without them is much less than if I had them with me. Yeah, I mean, you and communities are will always. It's like a hive mind. Yeah, yeah. That's and, what like the state of Israel is in a way. But but, but oh. communities will also always incorporate elements that you don't fully understand. For sure, always. But I mean, that's what a relationship with another person is, right? Yeah. It's all about unknown. Yes, with another person also. Yeah. It's just unknown. Yeah. It's no idea. It, there's some areas that are known, some areas that are unknown. And your your your, your ability to sort of explore the unknown and, and integrate and incorporate it is the core of what's going to maintain that relationship. If you can't do that, you just keep yourself in yourself and the other person. Right. But you talk about that the relationship as well. But it's interesting with the, with the consciousness and 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 the limited mindset of 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 kind of like locking yourself into that 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 sort of exactly. thought pattern. You know, it's, it's it's like we need again. It's, it's it points to the idea that we need ideals higher than when I say we, I say we as a society here, right? I include everybody here, but we need ideals higher than just knowledge and even consciousness is not enough. And conscious is not enough. Interesting. What about what about the word Baruch? Like like it means blessed, but it also means like to come down. That's right. Like how how does that work? How does like why why does the word have like two meanings or like Think about what you're doing. Baruch Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem. What are you saying? To come down. Is that I am the servant to the master. I, am, I have the ability to do the will of the master. And through that, I can connect to the master's essence. Because that's what the master wants me so to do. So we're asking him to come down. Right. Think about a relationship. By doing some, what, you, what, what your partner wants in, your, in the relationship, you're able to connect to their essence. Because that's their will. You're actually connecting to their will. You're not doing what you think the partner wants. You're not doing what you want so the partner sees. You're not uh, saying, oh, honey, here's a set of Talmud for our anniversary. <laughs> no, you go get a, a, a bouquet of flowers. I don't understand flowers. I don't understand why I have to spend money on dead, dead things, but I understand that it, it's the will 
of the person I love and therefore I'm able to connect to their essence by doing something that I totally don't understand, I totally can't even relate to, but I know it's their will. I would love a bouquet of Talmud. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I heard that someone said, it's like really loving someone is caring about what they care about. Not just not caring about them. Caring about Because you can care about them as an object. And you care about them as a, right? You care about them as a selfish. In a selfish way. But if you care about what they care about, then you're, then you're yeah. kind of transcending yourself. That to me is like the real leap of faith. It's like wondering whether there are other conscious agents in this world other than myself, right? That's a leap of faith. I don't know if you're conscious. I only know if I'm conscious, right? <laughs> yeah, but take my word for it. We're conscious. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to pinch you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we can prove it to you. You can be a zombie pinching me. I find the whole zombie analogy very, very interesting. Wait. How, how, well, no, yes, but I find it interesting how, how um, it, it, it clearly has a strong influence on people. And clearly, you know, by the way, the, um, is it the, the National Health uh, Institute and the, the Pentagon? I might be uh, mixing up the administrations. There's a, I think it was maybe the Defense Department. I think it was the Defense Department. You could Google this. You're not going to believe it when I tell it to you, but it's very true, okay? The Defense Department spent real money developing a plan. You know about this. No, I don't know about this. Okay. Developing a plan of action of what the U.S. government does in the case of a zombie apocalypse. This is true story. Do you know that in 2015, in 2015, it was the number one fear in America? Zombie apocalypse. Unbelievable. Maybe they know something we don't. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe they're just out to lunch like everybody else. But um, it, it's, it's interesting how the zombie... And, and by the way, the zombie is what? The zombie... What is the zombie? Can't think about his actions. That's right. Unconscious being. All he does, he walks around and survives and eats and... Does that sound familiar? That's actually exactly our theory of human beings. The scientific theory of human beings. Definitely not the probabilistic theory. I, I call it. I call it the zombie theory of man. It's we have no consciousness. We walk around. We eat. We drink. We reproduce, and we struggle to survive. That's it. We are the unthinking, unconscious beings of pure materiality. What is that? The zombie. Yeah, when you when you look at it in it, zombie movies, there they were walking around the shopping malls. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, that's taking it a step further. I don't understand. Have you ever criticism. walked around a shopping mall? Yeah, shopping. Everyone yeah. is not a zombie. Yeah. Zombie. No, not Friday. <laughs> I don't think I think like, the time I think the last, the least is when I'm shopping, actually. Yes. Yeah, we, we meet zombies every day. I have a That's why minutes. I love Amazon, because you yeah. just go yes, on there, yes. you get what you need, and you're off. Yeah. I, get I, what you need. No, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> I, have, I have something a bit different, because I, I, I'm not a zombie, but like, you know, like sometimes you have to go shop. I have a 20 minute window to shop, after which I become a werewolf. Like, I want to murder the zombies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just detest it I so much. I love these analogies. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's interesting. All of these figures, like the werewolf, the, the uh, vampire, the zombie, they're a mythology of sorts, right? And, and they have different meanings. It's like the vampire is the vampire. The vampire is the one who needs to prey, the unliving who needs to prey on the living in order to survive, right? And he's sort of uh, um, cursed with eternal life, right? So he has to keep having that parasitical, really, it's the parasite in a way, right? right? He has to be keep having the parasitical relationship with others in order to keep surviving. Doesn't have his own source of energy, doesn't have his own source of life. But the zombie is the, the zombie is the unthinking material creature of reproduction and survival. 
Which is exactly That's why they like our brands. theory. They like brains. What's that? They like to eat brains. They like to eat brains, exactly. That's exactly it. So you got the werewolf, the vampire, the zombie. They're werewolf alive. They're so alive and passionate that they can murder. That's right, right, right. You know what I mean? It's the opposite of the vampire. Right? What about Frankenstein? Frankenstein is the, is the golem. It's the creation of man. The creation of man that, that overtakes man. So it's, it's AI, it's Frankenstein. It's the technology that ends up becoming destructive for the human beings. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. 